Welcome to the Crafty Ass Female Podcast, an audio show that talks about the resourceful ways we women are living our lives and the crafty projects we create in between. We are your hosts, Amanda Zampelli and Kristen Tweedale, and we believe you are a capable badass who already has all the tools you need to make beautiful things and make beautiful things happen. We're just here to remind you. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kristen. How are you? What a what a season! <laughs> it's funny, right? I don't know. I'm I am actually like kind of. I don't want to say speechless because I'm sure, like we're, we're obviously going to record an hour long <laughs> podcast. And it's pretty insert word here yeah. to say that you're speechless at the beginning of an hour long <laughs> podcast. Touche, right? But I mean, are we actually wrapping up six seasons? And wrapping up the season of resilience, like I feel like, you know, because I was looking at my personal blog and I posted on March 23rd a picture of me like in my home, like holding my cat in one hand and my water, my big water bottle in the other, like at the start of like remote teaching when all this went down. And I say in that post, I'm like, by the way, today is the first episode of the season of resilience on the podcast. And like, it's funny to be like, and we did it. Like whatever that means and looks like, like we did it. <laughs> like- yeah, it's, it's so weird too. Okay. So let's, let's backtrack. And so if you have been listening to the show for 140 plus episodes at this point, maybe you know how we do seasons. Uh, our first season was like, okay, let's have a season two now. <laughs> and our second season was one actual season long. And now we've been doing one season is every two seasons. So we have a fall, winter season, and then a spring, summer season. So we're like a fashion brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are. Um, so now we're going to go into, we're finishing up our sixth season, which was the season of resilience, which was spring, summer of 2020. (laughs) So this, it was six months. So yeah, we've been doing this for six months, six months of resilience. And it was a good one. We had a lot of interesting people on the show. I think this, I want to say this with a caveat, like, we had a lot of white women on the show, but it was really diverse, like, our, 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 the, in terms of the things that the women did. Right. And then also we had Michelle's episode, which we will get into Michelle's episode, because, oh my god, like, Michelle's episode, like, just, oh, like, but there's just, like. (sighs) Because this is a podcast episode, I can't just, like, make noises because you can't see, like, my face and my hands and it's really inappropriate. Like, the words that I have to describe Michelle's episode don't yet exist. So you'll just have to take my word for for it that, you know, Michelle's episode, like, whatever. Okay, so, yeah, like, we started out this season and we thought about the title, you know, way before it was like, oh, yeah, people are just going to be, like, in their houses Right. Indefinitely. Right. It was so funny at the start of the season when quarantine was like full blown and people were just so happy to feel like they were like seeing other people. (laughs) And I think you can hear that in the first few interviews because people are like, oh, my God, I haven't talked to anyone, you know, I'm like, even that was like something so unique to this season is people not feeling like they had this kind of outlet that they weren't connecting and then here comes along this podcast knocking on their door like, hey, can we interview you? Like, it, it, it was fun to hear. It was, it's such an interesting time. And it's one of the best things about this show is that you get to realize in a tangible way how you're living through history. Because we had our little election episode now almost two years ago where we talked about the importance of you know why are midterm elections important why do you need to register to vote why is it important to get involved in you know your local elections 
all of these things. And now to see this groundswell of support of, you know, the people who were, you know, how do I, how do I want to talk about this? Like the people who felt themselves energized two years ago to be like, oh, well, now I want to understand why it's important to get registered to vote. Now I want to understand why it's important to get involved in local elections. Those are the people who this year felt the need to understand why all of the stuff that's happening now around us is part of what we see as, you know, the United States of America. And I think because we were in this quarantine, because we didn't have the ability to go to work, then go to Starbucks, then go shopping, then come home and deal with the fact that we were very busy people, whether you had kids to take care of, whether you had parents to take care of, whether you had yourself to take care of, which is a very full-time job in and of itself. Our bubble became so collective at this time. I love that phrase, our bubble became so collective because we were in our bubbles. But you're right, like... I'm going to pause because I want to just side note, completely side note about the election episode saying on your point with that is A, if you're listening now and haven't heard our elections episode, you have to listen, especially right now this year, this season. And two, about the election episode, you know, I played the naive, uh uh-oh, what is election kind of part of that episode. But I swear to you, since that conversation with you, so many bits of it have not left my brain. I'm registered to vote this year. How I've been following the candidates has been completely like more than I would have ever done before that conversation. So I just want to put that there, right there, that little bubble. There you go. Now we're going to move on to what you said. So you just said, and did you want to comment on that at all? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I've also seen you become more of an advocate for yourself in your life in ways that you see politics playing out in your life. Especially as a teacher right now. Which I never had the understanding or like of why to do or how to do. But that your things that you've said to me in that episode still like ring in my ears. So right, and I think like that's that's the the big takeaway from that election episode is right. The presidential election is super important. And I think one of the things that's really important about the presidential election is that it gets the it gets us the ability to talk about, you know, what an election is, how to vote, the actual process of voting. But what really, really, really matters to most people, most individual people, is voting in local elections, because these are the people who will have an impact on our day to day lives, like our mayors have a huge impact on our day-to-day lives, especially now for teachers. And I know we've been talking a lot about teaching over the last six months because you are a teacher, you are a New York City teacher, Mm -hmm. and you have had to have so much resiliency. So the, the scope of our season has was an interesting one we had a lot of interviews way up front we scheduled a ton of interviews for i think for a couple of reasons we had a bunch of interviews up front before we knew there was coronavirus stuff happening before we knew people were going to be home we had a bunch of people who were signed up to do interviews with us and then once everybody was home we were like okay cool we're home Let's do a ton of interviews. There are so many crafty-ass females out there. And this is when we were like, oh, cool. Let's get, like, an interesting, diverse mix of what it means to be crafty. Um, and we had some really cool people on the show. And then we had a lot of me and you time. Mm-hmm. And that's where we really got to get into what it was like for you teaching, teaching at home, than not teaching for the summer and now getting back into teaching. And I think this bit of resiliency, having to bring your job home, having to live in the same space that you work, and I think that's been a, a hard thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's been such a 
core, you know, sub-theme to the last season has been watching the way we've had to be resilient very specifically and very tangentially, like, very specifically in our own lives, and then tangentially watching each other do it. Yeah, because I just feel like everything in this season of life in these past six months has been uncharted territory. Like, there's been so much uncharted territory that everything felt like pioneering. Even if it was yes. like, you were, the, you were like, with, like you're saying, like, in your bubble, but with a bunch of people trying to figure this shit out. And like, whether that's teaching or having a, uh, you know, being a parent and having your kid have to learn from home, whether it was like, and like, you know, speaker resilience, how many businesses now are going out of business and like, it just is, you know, and then Black Lives Matter movement became mainstream and that was just another thing, you know, to, to come to the forefront and how for a lot of people kind of how to pioneer their feelings around that. And make sure they're doing the right thing to become a part of it. But it was like so many things were new to people. <laughs> All at once. I think that's so interesting. I'm so glad that you brought up the fact that there's so many new things for people. Because I think that that's so true. And I... I think there's so many places that we can go here. So there's so many new things for people. Like cooking for yourself because you can't rely to, you know that's that's gonna be such a bad sentence okay wait for it you can't rely reliably on delivery or takeout or going out to restaurants mm-hmm. and learning to cook for yourself can be so terrifying especially because you have to buy the food And then if you don't do it right, it's like you've wasted your time, you've wasted the food, you've wasted the money. And, you know, you guys know that I love cooking. You know that I cook all the time. And even after however many long ass times that I've been cooking, when I screw something up, I am so pissed. So, and we've talked, how how many times have we talked about- And you're not new at it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And how many times have we talked about, like, being a beginner at something? Right. It's so hard to be a beginner at something. And now and, people are making you be a beginner at everything. Right, <laughs> you know, exactly. So many people. Yeah. So many people got thrust into being a beginner at something, not by choice, at all. And then you got that other thing where people were being like, oh, well, now I have all this free time on my hands. Who had, like, fr- no one's <laughs> life got easier. Yeah. Just because you had less scheduled you know mandatedly scheduled time where you had to be at a place doesn't mean your time was like free right because like you had extra time but like even when you were talking about the cooking can we talk about how resilient you have to be waiting online outside of a supermarket when you just like are dying to get in and get it like like even that even like it's not a big deal but sometimes it is a big deal on your emotions and on your just frustration level. You know, it's just, it's with everything. It was with everything. Right. And you have to have, so I talk about this like in my daily pages class of whenever you're trying to start this new habit, you have to give yourself grace. You have to be okay with yourself, not having figured the entire thing out as soon as you start, because you don't know if you're going to be you know, quote unquote, good at doing daily pages at noon, or if you're going to be good at doing daily pages first thing in the morning, you need to try it a few times before you figure it out. And so no one gave us the, you know, tools. Well, I mean, someone gave us tools to do a lot of this stuff and then they got thrown out. But no one gave us, like Kristen and Amanda, the guidebook for how do you do pandemic grocery shopping. Right. And it's like we all felt in our brains like, oh, well, we know how to do regular grocery shopping. So this is just a little bit different. So I should just be able to figure it out. But it's not just a little bit different for you. 
it's a little bit different for everybody, including the grocery store, including everybody who works at the grocery store. So when everyone, it's a, when it's a little bit different for everyone, and it's not just a little bit different for everyone shopping for groceries, but it's a little bit different for everyone shopping for groceries, picking up medication at the grocery store, dealing with whatever else is happening in their lives, which is every single little thing in the entire world at this moment, then that is not a little thing. Right. And we see it in ourselves as like, oh, why can't I get through this grocery trip? It's just me trying to shop for groceries with this other little thing that's happening. And it's like, that's what your brain is trying to tell you because right. your brain doesn't want you to freak out because, you know, we're in freak out city right now. But, you know, we're going through a collective trauma. And we need to try to be resilient. And that's how our brain helps us be resilient in ways of like, you know, don't worry. It's just a little bit different. But yes, it is just a little bit different. But when you add all the little differences for everybody, then shopping for groceries isn't that easy anymore. Right. And when shopping for groceries isn't that easy anymore, then cooking dinner isn't that easy anymore. And when, you know, cooking dinner used to just, when you used to just be able to like go to get chicken wings after work and it would be like, oh yeah, now I have an hour and here's, you know, $25 and now I have dinner. Now it's a whole thing. Yeah. And when you have like three things that used to just be easy and now there are whole things, even though it's just like grocery shopping, the kids go to school, and do you have to do laundry? It looks easy on paper, but it's a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And there's, you know, being in, back in the school building now, because I know so many schools around the country have started already, but... We start next week with the kids coming in. And, like, aside from everything just being new and, like, okay, learn this and half and half, you know, the kids are going to be half in the school, half at home, you know, whatever, people are afraid. Like, (laughs) on top of all the newness and the pioneering and the needing to figure out how this is going to work in order to move forward, fear and anxiety are littered on top of it all. So like you can't really, your brain doesn't function at maximum capacity when you're like afraid, like there, there are, you know, and I feel calmer than most that I'm around, but there are teachers that are afraid. Like I have a teacher friend who has been feeling off lately and she's like, she's groggy and she, she takes her temperature every 15 minutes. Like she's frightened that no matter what she feels, it's going to be like a deadly disease. Like, forget co Like, she just is now at a point where she's afraid all the time. And she's going to be in contact with 15 kids, <laughs> you know, next week. And we're in contact with people whenever we're out. Like, so I just think, like, you know, this, we're wrapping up the season of resilience. But, of course, we know, you know, it's going to still be needed. Like, in our September is the new January. Come January 2021, like, you know, not 2020. The problems of 2020 are not going to be over. <laughs> Right. You know, so it's like resilience continues. And I feel like every time we wrap up a season, that is our main message. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's funny is that you said that all this stuff was a bunch of, there was a whole bunch of newness and we were dropping a bunch of new stuff on people and I completely agree. One of the notes that I have here on my notes is that this season, our season specifically, not necessarily in the world, but in our season of podcasts, we had some amazing retrospectives. We did a bunch of episodes where we just specifically looked back on stuff. And um, is there so one in your have- mind in particular? Oh, I have a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. We did like the con- the second version of comparison itis. We did um, we did another changes with the podcast episode. 
we did two really good Find Your Voice episodes, which were continuations of a workshop that I did that I've done. This is now the third time I've done it. So that was amazing. Um, we did our one little word check-in. I love that one. <laughs> I, I know, right? Um, have you seen, it's on Netflix, and there's going to be two more, and they're going to be on Comedy Central. Have you seen John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch? It's him and a bunch of kids. It's him and a bunch of kids. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen like an episode or two. Okay, there's this little one where it's him and this little boy playing chess. Okay. And they're like trying to like trash talk each other. And the little boy, the little boy is like eight. <laughs> and then the little boy uh, starts saying something. And he's like, yeah, in retrospective. <laughs> and John Mulaney's like, are you old enough to say in retrospective? <laughs> and then the kid's like, uh, yeah, no, I actually don't really know what it means. It just sounded really cool. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it really did it sound sometimes. cool. <laughs> but I think um, this year, more than I thought it would, has helped. The thing that's helped get through... The weirdness, the, how do I want to say, the, the stuff that hurts, mm-hmm. which is not so much the having to stay home, the, you know, the missing out on things, because you know what, we're adults, we can deal with things that we don't like, mm-hmm. we can deal with things that, you know, you know, we don't always have to get what we want, that's not what this is about, but the things that hurt are the the deception the not being told things the changing around the stories the misinformation the the getting information and then oops never mind (laughs) i've been feeling that a lot lately a lot of that and and then the distrust in systems that you feel that you should have been able to trust. Yeah, you've mentioned that in the past in a past episode before. Yeah, and it, it and so like you're you were talking about uh, like a lot of the teachers feel scared, and you know it's one thing to feel scared about a lot of things, but man, you just shouldn't feel scared about going into a school. We do. <laughs> you know, and I think that's like that, that's kind of the stuff that I, I feel like I'm not saying a controversial statement if I say like, you shouldn't feel scared if you're going into a school. Right. Like as a child or an adult. Right. And that's the stuff that is, that's, you know, and, and whether or not we have great solutions or poor solutions or anything, that's the part that's just sad. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, there are people that are just going to feel sad going into schools, whether they have to do that or whether they don't have to do that. Right. And, you know, it's not my call whether or not they have to do that. And I can have opinions on the people who are making the calls. And I am fortunate enough right now to not be in a position that none of that is in my life. I know that you are not. And I am behind you and your positions every step of the way so i am i feel for teachers i feel for kids and And like that that fear is and like that's when we i I could kind of wrap up uh wrap back around to when you said like when your bubble is collective and even that like us teachers in our bubble dealing with it how we have to like knowing that from society like what you just said and feeling people's support and prayers and thoughts like that weighs a lot but like as opposed to teachers are lazy they just don't want to go back like you know like you know because you hear that part of it too but for me like being in it like the word that I put in my personal blog post which I'll link but that was the first one I published on day one of this season of resilience and like thinking about at the start of it 
was steadfast and like steadfastness. And when like at the end of the day, like we have to get through it and we have to continue. Like so and I uh Elise Joy, I'll link to who we had on the podcast as well, Elise Joy uh Elise Blaha Cripe. She had a hashtag going on for a while there, hashtag doing the days, right? Like just how she was doing, like, because at the end of the day, we have to do them. <laughs> so I like that she was, she created that hashtag and was saying, here's how we're doing it. And again, like we're all in our bubble, but there was this collective thing where we could say, oh, she's painting with her kids or, oh, like, you know, I'm going for a walk. And I, it all ties back to me for that word steadfastness. Like, what are you holding on to? Like, so much is shitty and so much is new. Like, what are you holding on to from the day that is allowing you to do it? Or what are you holding on? What good are you holding on that you can bring into the next day, which will then link to the next day? And then somehow we are steadfastly like getting through it. Yes. So I love that notion to it. Like that's, I've been bringing a lot of that energy to the work. Like, Yeah. And I think it's really important that, how do I say this right? I think it was Amy, Amy Smith, who, when we asked her about resilience, started talking about resiliency moving forward, as opposed to everyone else who has also talked about resiliency kind of being that thing that you need to bounce back from. Mm-hmm. And ever since we've talked to her on that, episode of the show I've been thinking of resiliency as this like rubber band that exists on both sides of you Mm -hmm. and how 2020 has been this sort of negative pull Mm -hmm. and you need to be your own sort of positive pull because you're going to get pulled back and one of the best ways to kind of learn how to craft your own resiliency is to figure out how can you kind of continue yeah and like okay so imagine that you have the like the resistance bands at the gym Mm -hmm. and you are working on the things that like at the beginning you can only do the ones that are not that strong and so like if you have something bad happened to you it's going to be it's going to snap back and so if you work on your like resiliency practice when those bad things happen that snap back is going to be less harsh Mm. because you've you've worked your resiliency muscle right so that like you are stronger than the snap back I like it I really like that metaphor. And it's, again, like we talk about so many things, whether it's creativity or whatever, of this practicing of the skill. Like no one comes equipped with dealing with stress, with, you know, like, yeah, like this collective trauma. No one comes equipped with what they need. So you got to practice it, which is, you know, how do we practice it? But it's it's continuing and and pulling the good, like I feel. Like when we had, when we did... um, Michelle Garcia's interview I think her answer to what she felt how resiliency showed up was so interesting to me because didn't she tie it to her ancestors I was like and that's such a a powerful thing like if you can relate your life now to how you can keep pushing and keep continuing because you are representative of people that have been through some shit as well you know right yeah, I love that answer because I think I, I've always felt that in my life. Like I was like, gosh, you know, grandma and Nana struggled and, and their mother struggled. And like if their resiliency band was to here, well, I'm going to put mine to here. Like, you know, like it, it helps you stretch that rubber band, like you're saying, it, by just that perception in your brain. 
Right, and I think one of the best, like, the there are so many really good ways of doing it. You can do it through gratitude practice. You can do it through journaling. You can do it through affirmations. You can do it through, I mean, honestly, one of the best ways that people did it, like, I don't want to say in the olden days, because people still do it now all the time, but, like, just, like, prayer. Like, this is why people, you know, sat and did the rosary at night, because when shit went down, what did you do? You did the rosary. Like, you know, you didn't know what was going on? Okay, well, I have no idea what I can do. I have nothing I can control. Okay, well, I just recite this stuff. Yep. Because that's what you had. And so whatever your resiliency practice is, that's what your resiliency practice is. Mm. I have daily pages. I have, you know, a couple of other things. Sometimes, like, I just really love just cutting stuff out and gluing it down. Just really love when everything, like, when my head hurts so much that I can't think about anything else. Um, And this is when I start. this is actually what I started thinking about resiliency practices uh, was when my therapist started talking about it. You know, I can't do a lot of things when my head hurts a lot. I can't look at screens. I can't make decisions. Mm -hmm. And when I can't look at screens or make decisions, it's really hard to do anything that's worth doing. I can't read either. Mm -hmm. So there's not that much to do. Sometimes I will make food, but I generally don't trust myself around knives or fire. So (laughs) that kind of throws those things out the Sushi window. of all knives. Um, so I just cut paper and you glue it down. And like, who cares what it looks like at the end? Sometimes you'll stamp things and like just color them with markers. And like knowing that I can do that when I'm in my like worst place, like physically, when my body is like legitimately not working. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I can still create something. Yeah. I feel like my bucket list that I made for autumn is my form of resilience. Yes. Because, like, now that I think about it, now that you said that, like, I'm I'm setting myself up for these checkpoints that I can work toward. So that's moving me through the days. Oh, I have this coming up. So let me do this and this and this to move through this day and get it done for that. So, right, like making a list of even just fun things yes that you can that are doable and again like i always what i take a lot away from this podcast is like doable things like as opposed to like the potential of stuff like what can you do right now and grab right now without having to buy something or you know right and like This is what I continuously say to my ladies inside the membership is you don't need to buy anything. You can scrapbook anything you want. You can tell your story any way you want. You can almost, you know, more than likely you can create something beautiful with the things that you have around your house. Don't get me wrong. I love all of the beautiful things. I want to spend all of the money at all of the sites. I love buying scrapbook supplies. I love buying stamps. I love buying all of these things. Mm-hmm. So don't don't make me feel like I'm telling you not to buy these things. Mm-hmm. Buy them if you want to. Mm-hmm. But also don't feel like you have to. Right. Because I feel like most of our listeners probably fall into the camp of have enough crafty supplies to get them through another quarantine but also most of our listeners also love getting i was gonna say whether it's happy mail whether it's supporting a local crafty business a small business a creative women-owned business or you know just buying pretty crafty paper but again, you can do so many cool things with literally whatever you have at home. I mean, yeah, there's so many cool things that you can do with just like a Crayola 8-pack. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. The good old classics. I know, right? Like, um, and not a, not a Rose Art eight pack. Oh, no, no. I mean, yeah. Let's, let's be, let's be real. And I mean, come on. You probably have the ability to get yourself a Crayola eight pack. If you don't, check out your local library. A lot of libraries have been doing very cool, creative, crafty things. My town has been doing local craft pickup kits. They're still, I don't, I don't know if they're open for actual go inside and do things, but they're doing a ton of curbside stuff. I don't know if they've moved into their phase three. I, I'm just making up phase numbers, I think. They're the ones in my head. So the library system in my head is awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, other East Lansing news, by the way. So, on Saturday of this week, there was a highly suggested quarantine of all Michigan State University students. And then yesterday afternoon, they made it a mandatory quarantine for all 30 large housing units, which is secret code for fraternities and sororities. (laughs) So... They're taking things pretty seriously here in East Lansing. Good. It is good. There was an outbreak of, I think it's about 250 people right now, which... How's child mayor handling it? (laughs) Very well. Good. I like him. I like him too. (laughs) We seem to be doing pretty good. I mean, they're they're really not taking... I mean, they're taking this stuff very serious. They're, They're not joking around with any of this stuff, which... As I see other college towns around the country being way more lax with this stuff, I feel very good about living here. Good. Especially since one of the things that I keep worrying about is, like, everyone's like, oh, yes, but we're not dying. But it's like, oh, yes, but, like, it's not just about dying. Like, you have organs inside your body that, you know, will function less well, and we need to take care of you. Because those are important, too. Like, I know what it's like to not have a body that works properly. So I don't want you to have to live your entire life with a body that doesn't work properly. So please take care of your body. It's important. Good point. I wanted to mention before when you mentioned crayons, that if you don't think you can make beautiful works of art with crayons, please check out Melody Hansen, who we've had on this podcast, and her artwork that is like... So poignant and beautiful. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah, she is. I'll definitely link to her. But I think like part of for me too, like part of what falls into the resilience bubble for me is not to overcomplicate things, which is kind of what you were talking about as far as like you don't need to buy new stuff or like it's very easy to. And I tend to think if it isn't challenging me or it isn't so hard and racking my brain, then I'm it's like I'm missing something. But it's a big part of my life now. It's going to filter into my one little word for 2021. But I've been learning to just not overcomplicate. And that'll get me through it. So that's a big one for me. I feel that so hard. I think that that's one of those things that we do to ourselves so often. Is that we're feeling like, oh, if this is easy. Or if this is simple. Or if we're not having, if we're not challenging ourselves constantly then something is wrong yeah or also like if it's new territory let me throw everything I have at it and then like that's that's what I feel like I tend to do if it's new I'm like oh I don't know what this is I have to figure it out well this and this and this and this and and I like overload so it's that too the newness that's my reaction to newness sometimes yeah that desire to be like the A-plus student immediately jump to the head of the class. Yes, I don't even know what it is, but I'm ready with 10 different ways we can attack it instead of just not overcomplicating it and trying one. (laughs) Like, my brain overreacts. (laughs) Yeah, that, I I completely get that. I was definitely, definitely, definitely like that probably until the middle of college. Mm Mm-hmm. I had some very nice people sit me down and say, don't worry, it's okay if you want to just sit there in the back and just listen. Yeah. And 
it took me a really long time to be like, is it though? Mm-hmm. Because I think we have that desire to just also prove that we can do it instead of not even it's not even that necessary like we need to necessarily do it right it's just that we need to prove and not even necessarily to other people maybe to other people but (laughs) also to ourselves yes that if we want to conquer this thing we can definitely conquer this thing right and getting over that is it's, it's so interesting. And I don't even know what exactly it was. I think maybe actually deciding that I had no interest in going to law school. Which is like a really weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. But like just deciding that. Uh, yeah, I probably could have done that if I really wanted to. But do I want to? Yeah. And like because you think about all these things that like, you know. And I think this is an, another interesting way to think about resilience is, you know, at any given point, there are so many different paths that our life can take. Like you stopped teaching for a while. Then you went and decided to do graphic design. Mm-hmm. And now you're back in teaching. And so how do I want to put this? It's kind of like choosing what you know is best for you is, a, is an act of resilience. Well, and right, and deciding that as a person, that time that you put into learning graphic design, putting that graphic design degree into use, that's not a waste of time. That was an actively important part of your life, and it made you who you are today. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you didn't do those things then who knows if you would have even gone back to teaching. Right. Because if you picked something else, then maybe, who knows? Right. And so we have all these different choices that we can make. And sometimes we choose something that doesn't work the way we think it's going to work. Mm -hmm. And when we have that resiliency muscle built up, it's easier it's easier for us to bounce back from what we perceive is a mistaken path. Yeah. When in fact it's just a detour. Yeah. That was like a big theme in Heather Spooner's episode. Yes. I feel like. Yeah. That's what I have. I have, I have her on like literally at the top of this, my season of resilience, uh, favorite episodes is she, if you guys haven't listened to Heather's episode, go listen to Heather's episode because I'm I can't do her story justice because it's just it's so interesting and it's yeah. so cool. But she thought she was on a path. And then I mean literally like in a movie. <laughs> like like actually a movie. Like someone should make her romantic comedy story into <laughs> a romantic comedy. I agree. Like she legitimately met someone at an airport. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Pre-COVID. And, and, and then got, like, unengaged and blew up her whole life. And now she is a completely, like, I, she's obviously not a completely different person. But, like, if you had a rom-com, it would be like, you know, Heather, do a 180. Yes. And this ability to have this resiliency inside of you to to... You know, bounce back, bounce forward when you need to, especially when you have things going on in your life and you don't need to be in the position you are in and you need to, like, jet out of the way. Yeah. Which I think is exactly what you did with teaching. I think you resiliencyed forward. You, you know, you moved forward in a way that you didn't know if that's what you needed. Yes. That is a good way to describe it. Yes. (sighs) Yeah, because I... I tell us all the time, but I cried when I knew that I had the interview and cried on the way and cried on the way home. And like, I was resisting it hard, but I knew I need, I knew there was a reason that I got it and I was back. So it, it's, it's all that tied together. It's like, and you know what part of resilience too is and with teaching and everything is too. And I got it a lot of, a lot of it out of Heather's story too, is 
this quiet confidence that maybe isn't there like even to you obviously at first like because I was like in crumbles crying you know driving to the interview I was like I can't do this that's what my head kept saying but once I calmed down and knew I was going to take the job because I had to and like there's wouldn't be a reason I could not turn it down like I was waitressing at 33 with no other prospects in place like I had to take this teaching job and once I calmed down a, there's a, there was like a core part of me that was like, you can do this. Like, like, I feel like there's part of resiliency is your true self letting you know that it's possible and you'll be okay. Like in the core, you'll be okay. Like, and that's so the opposite of what your anxiety tells you. Like your anxiety tells you this is doom. You are doomed. Like, you know, so resilience is having the courage to listen to that truth part that knows you'll be okay, whatever that means, and also trust in it, which is hard when the anxiety is screaming at you because I feel like the you'll be okay, you can do it is so quiet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, it was so interesting because I think we had a couple of other great women on the show this season who was great to hear from that they also have these same voices mm-hmm. tina asmus was one of them yes having tina on the show and saying like yes i have these same you know is my work good enough is this one okay like you know what 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 about you know what, what will the people think of this one and as two people who know respect and love tina's work and then also know how much everyone else loves and respects and just goes over the moon about Tina's work. It was like when we had Lisa on. Everyone goes through this stuff. And if they don't, they're a narcissist. That's a good like, that's, point. Like, that's fine. You can be a narcissist. Like, that's, you know, I, what are we going to do about it? There's nothing. I, I can't do There's nothing. I, I can't do anything about it. So, like, Cool. There's just going to be some narcissists out there. Great. If you have some doubts about your work, fantastic. You know that you're not a narcissist. <laughs> right. I, like, right? Like, right. That's, that is all you need to know. And so if you're having some doubts about whether or not your stuff is good, that's normal. Yeah. Tina even, like... It's part of her charm, but it was like a tick for her to go like, oh, I'm not any good or like, you know, like that kind of attitude. And like even afterwards, she emailed me like stuff for the for the promo. And she's like, I'm probably the most boring episode. I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, you were. It's so on brand. It's so cute. I was like, she she was like over the moon. I was super fangirl of her. Like she was my over the moon guest. Like I was like. I love her so much, and I think she's so talented and amazing. And she was like, I'm probably the worst episode. I was like, oh, my goodness. It's like it happens to everybody. Um, well, you know what's really funny is uh, I've had a couple of people now over the years ask, you know, how do you podcast or how do you do these kind of video things? And the podcast people are usually pretty, pretty fangirly sometimes. Sometimes they're, they're regular. Mm-hmm. But one of the last people I talked to about podcasting, I was like, oh, yeah, no, you know, don't worry. You're going to mess up. Like, you are just, you're going to mess up. Don't worry. I mean, I've messed up so many times now on the show. There's so many times that I've messed up that, like, I now have this little post-it note that says press record because there are times where I have not pressed record yeah and guys it's gonna happen you do 150 episodes of a show once you're gonna press not record and this is why you then create backups and then extra backups so that when you don't press record on one of them you still have two backups so that, you know, the next time that you don't press record, it's okay. Because then you have a backup. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, 
so that, true, though. That posted just threw me off because I was thinking of something to say that was very enlightening, and I completely forgot. <laughs> but we're just gonna keep on going because that's what resiliency does. Oh man, I had something. Ah! Oh, I think it was about. Oh, I remember. So based on what you said, too, it's just Big Magic taught me this. So I know you haven't read it yet, and I'm going to send it to you for Christmas or something because you need to. Did I tell you about Coyote Ugly? No. She's Coyote Ugly. Who? Oh, who? Liz Gilbert. <laughs> oh, yes, you did tell me this. You okay, did. yes. This is okay because we have this, had this conversation about how I've never read Big Magic, but I know that she's Coyote Ugly. Yes. Okay. You go did. ahead. Liz Gilbert, Big Magic. <laughs> yeah, Big Magic. Well, she's what I took away in there, which is also, I think, part of resilience, is we have to find a way to make it not our responsibility for, for what we put out. Like, like, our only responsibility is to show up and put out something. And it's not our responsibility, whether it's good or bad or how it's taken. Like, I've said that before, but she stresses that in that book where, like, your job as a writer is to write the book, put the book out into the world, and then your job is done. It's, it's, that's all the, so like, I feel that like you can be resilient if you put out into the world, be done, move to the next thing you're going to put out. Like, I think it's the second we take on the responsibility of how it's perceived or take on the responsibility of whether we think it's good or not, or is it good or not? Like, that's how the show gets done. Like, I'm like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to talk to Kristen and whatever happens, happens. Like, good show, bad show. It's not our problem anymore. We put the show up on Wednesday. <laughs> this but is I a podcast. Like, that's such a really good point. Yeah. Is that you're never going to please everybody. And once you try to start pleasing everybody, you're going to be pulled in all these different directions. And if we're going with these rubber band metaphors, then you're just going to break. Yeah, and like... The word responsibility really makes me cringe because like people pleasing is your interpretation that it's your responsibility to make them happy. Like who gave you that responsibility? Like that's no such thing. And who are you trying to make happy? <laughs> yeah. Right. Because like, why do you feel if responsible? You're to make, well, right. It, and, and it just continues to put a burden on you for this imaginary thing yeah and when you think about it like what are you actually responsible for not something you impose and the truth is yourself like you're you're responsible to get yourself up in the morning and go out there and give it what you got like (laughs) whether people are happy or not that is your true responsibility is to get up and get out there and by getting up and get out there no matter what you got that day is being resilient Yes. And as long as you're not hurting anyone. Because there are a lot of things hurting a lot of people right now. And if you can do your best job to not hurt other people, because there's lots of ways that you can actively not hurt other people right now. Yeah. Stay inside. Wear your mask. You know, limit your exposure to other people. Do your job. Like, just, there's so many easy things that we can do right now that won't actively harm other people. So, if you can just get up, put yourself out there in whatever way you want to, as, as a crafty-ass female, as a human, as an awesome lady, as just a person who wants to tell her story in any way that is meaningful to her, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on a blog, whether that's in scrapbook pages. Having a little practice of resiliency as your creative practice and having this way of talking to whether it's yourself, whatever audience that you have. And like we talk about this, you know, whenever you're making a... A project like we talked about this with Austin Cleon, like your audience is whoever your audience is. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go so far as to say you have a responsibility to your audience because 
your audience is this dynamic, ever-changing thing. And there's this weird... There's always this weird relationship between the artist or creator and the audience. Mm -hmm. And I think when we have things, like we have things like the podcast, we have things like Instagram, all these things, people can just stop showing up. Right. That's their way of disengaging. Yeah. So, you know, if you and I are doing a bad job with the podcast then people will stop listening. Right. And so, you know, it's not like we have to go out there and say, hey, what do you think we should do with the podcast next week? What do you think we should do with the podcast next week? And what do you think we should do with the podcast next week? Because, you know, if we had a responsibility to every single one of our audience members, then we couldn't possibly please every single person because we don't have enough podcast episodes to go around. Right. And... You know, isn't it, don't we have more of a responsibility to try to send our message to more people if we think it's helping people than to try to please each individual person? Right. Yes. Right. Like that's, that, (laughs) right. Like I think that that, that's an actual yes. Like instead of saying like, hey, listener number 256, what do you think? Instead (laughs) of trying to get to like, you know, more listeners and create a community where we try to tell more women that you are an amazing person and you can make amazing things but it's already. An, and it's an active, organic exchange with, with the community. Like, I feel like that's the difference. Like, if you're thinking of yourself as, like, um, creator, cons- like, creator and the audience is a consumer, like, that's one thing. But what if you think of yourself as part of this community that you put out for then it is an organic processing of what they want and what you want to put out. Like it, right. you know, yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah. And as long as you are, you know, you have a responsibility and that's a responsibility to yourself. It's still a responsibility to yourself because that's your, you know, that's your personal goal. Yeah. Your personal goal is to, you know, or our personal goal is to help women believe this, this thing. Just like my personal goal for the Awesome Ladies Project is to help women tell their stories. So, you know, whatever somebody's personal goal, like whether it's their business goal or whatever, that goal, you know, they have a responsibility to that goal. And we can kind of get in trouble when we choose people, like specific people pleasing or even group people pleasing. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's more detrimental to the goal itself than it is to be like, oh, well, like these people say they want that. And well, maybe it would be better if they we just did that because I know these people want this thing. And we'll see what happens from there, which can be like, you know, tempting because, you know, those people want that and it'll feel good because, you know, you do it. Yeah. When. But that's what people-pleasing is all about. It's all about you do the thing because it releases the endorphins. And then you feel good for a little while until people want more things. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, I agree. I, I think this is a very special season, very unique season. And I just think, like, if you're human... You're, it's automatically built in that you're going to be resilient because you're going to go through some shit as a human. I dare even to say as a woman, you know, how resilient we have to be just to be women. And there was a quote, you know, for resilience just in my head. I was thinking is there's a quote from the movie Return to Me with David Duchovny. It's like, it was a rom-com a long time ago. But Carol O'Connor plays Minnie Driver's dad and he tells her at one point, he goes, it is those whose the character is the strongest that God gives the most challenges to. And I think that I'm like, think of how like, like people who are in the most adversity have to have the most resilience, but it's them whose character is the strongest to help them do the days, like get through it, you know? So like as, as much, you know, if you feel like you're piling on the resilience to get through a load of shit, like that's the universe saying you have the character and stamina to do it. They're building you into a stronger person. Fucking sucks, though, when you're going through it. But, like, yeah. 
It totally does. Yeah. Thank God for this podcast. <laughs> Thank God for this podcast. <laughs> I kind of want to talk to you about football and after chatter if you had nothing else. Oh, well, I love that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know it's resilience and all that, but like it also is football season. <laughs> it's definitely football season. So we'll definitely talk about that. Um, we will be back next week with a brand new season. Season seven of the show. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. It's so crazy. Season seven of the podcast. I'm so excited. Um, if you're an after chatter, you will learn what the name of the new season is. And if you are not going to join us in after chatter, which you should, um, and you can learn more about that at the awesome ladies slash crafty as female, or you can go to, well, no, don't go to crafty slash Patreon. Cause I'm going to move all that over by the end of the month. Mm. So that'll all be done. Otherwise, we'll be back. Podcast pivot. I know. You can listen to the podcast pivot episode. That was one of the the fun ones from this season. Otherwise, we will be back. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode. I'm really excited. Uh, We'll be talking about the next season. It's going to be a good one. I'm very excited. I have... Who knows what's in store, right? (laughs) Hint, hint. All right. Um, You guys have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you next week. And... Enjoy the continuation of September, and we'll talk soon. Bye, guys.